0: Hey guys, it's Dan from the Backchat Podcast. We're running our tipping competition again. That's right. Last year we had huge prizes. I think we gave away thousands of dollars. This year it's going to be even better. You have to be a patron though, so head to backchatpodcast.com.au. And you can sign up as a patron there. You get access to early episodes and also our merch. It's pretty good.
1: Hey guys, this week on Backchat, Jason McCartney now... I think this may be the best episode we've ever sat down and thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Jason has played across three different clubs, um, had some real success as a player, but his footy journey is just as remarkable as what happened to him off the field. Uh, He missed premierships. He was reported in a prelim. uh, He didn't find the ultimate success as a player. He then, in a footy trip in an off season in Bali, was involved in the Bali bombings. And look, we, with the most respect to what he went through there, we speak about that, his recovery, his return to football, his retirement in his last game ever, and what that really meant to him from a personal point of view. It's just a, it's just a, uh, I just loved the interview. Um, so insightful. He's so honest and. I think he finally gets that premiership glory being involved as a list manager at the Western Bulldogs, current GM of footy at GWS. Uh, the footy stuff is just in line with his off-field stuff. It's just a great chat and I uh, hope you really enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Give us a rating and follow us on YouTube, Backchat Studios to watch all their episodes. Enjoy. It's a ripper. Back chat in Sydney, uh, still in Sydney, powered by Fleet Network. We appreciate your support this year, Fleet Network, powering the podcast. Very privileged once again to be joined by another great guest. Uh, This man doesn't play footy anymore, but still very much involved in the game. Uh, and we welcome and appreciate you being here, Jason McCartney. How are you, mate?
2: Well, thanks. Uh, great to be here.
1: It's good to have you. Now, um, I know you're probably a very big big fan of back chat, so look, I'll explain it just in case you haven't been listening, Jase. <laughs> okay, I'll uh, it. Yes. Now, um, we ask our guests every time we have someone in here. It's the first question we ask. We want to know your greatest sporting achievement, but we know what you've done in footy. We know you've played in grand finals, in prelims, in big games, huge games. We know you've played across three clubs. Like we, we know you've had a great career. We know you're a list manager of two clubs. You've won a premiership as a list manager. We know that. But we'd just like to start with, we don't care about that right now. We'd like to know your greatest sporting achievement, not on the football field.
2: You've got me thinking, and instantly it would take me, especially off the back of what's going on, obviously, uh, in the UK at the moment with our cricket side over there, Growing up in country Victoria, I just grew up AFL in the winter and in the summer it was cricket. So it would have been my first 100. I was uh, about 15 years of age, playing for Neil Blue in the West Wimmera District Cricket League. And, um, yeah, it just, just a great feeling because you're playing against, like your junior footy career back in the bush, you're playing against men all the time. So to to peel off a 100 was, uh, yeah, it was something I'll never forget, that's for sure. That's a long that's time.
1: Good. That's a long time out there, isn't it? I mean, you're not smacking them uh, around. Uh, no,
2: no, I was there for a quick time, not a long time. <laughs> you know, being a bit tall and you get sort of, sort of quads and that leaning over that bat, so you want to throw the willow around a bit. So uh, I was probably ahead of my time with this basball phenomenon, really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me that you actually introduced it to the game, Jase. <laughs>
2: 33 years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so country, Victoria, what's, what's life growing up? For Jason McCartney, how it
2: was? Sporting? Yeah, sporting. How it was Family. great? Uh, lived in town. Only town was about 2,000 people. But, yeah, it was heaps of sport. Like I said, the the summer was cricket and midweek basketball. Mm-hmm. AFL in the, in the winter and a lot of travel because when you're making rep sides and you, your mum and dad's taking you down to Melbourne, whether it be under 15s or the old Teal Cup under 17s, you'd generally play at nil or in the, around the district on a Saturday and then Sunday morning you'd be... Mum and dad would be, you know, waking up at sort of three or four o'clock to do the four-hour drive down to Melbourne for a training session. So they sacrificed so much. We were just a great upbringing. You were just always outdoors. Uh, Motorbikes, uh, shooting, a lot of hunting. Uh, Ferrets, had the ferrets. I loved the (laughs) ferreting and the rabbit trapping. So all those things. Uh, stump stump picking, cutting wood, and then we'd sell it. Like, great dad had set that up for us, and it was great pocket money for got huh. two younger brothers. So, yeah, it was wonderful. And I was obviously uh, – I left at sort of 16 and a half because the draft age was different then, so you get drafted at 16. So um, I was gone very early. But, yeah, it was just a it was a really good upbringing. We are, we've been asking about
1: First Cars, Fleet Network, big supporters of the program. Uh, they're big, big – uh, supplies of cars around. I've been asking about first cars. Yeah. Were you, did you have a paddock bomb you used to drive around? And then if
2: you got drafted as <laughs> a 17-year-old, like, how are you, you get yeah, around? Yeah, so that, the paddock bomb, it was yeah, some old motorbikes we had. Uh, but then when I got to Collingwood, um, I bought a car early that had to obviously sit for about a year and a half in mum and dad's garage back in Nil, And it was just a yeah, it was a, just a Holden Commodore, a pretty stock standard. Yeah, nice. And it sat there. Um, yeah, no one touched it for... 18 months until I got my licence and obviously back then, so you'd never get your licence in the city. You'd go home. Um, you'd usually know the local policeman back in the day then and he was probably aware that you'd been driving around as an underager a little bit <laughs> around the back street. So it was pretty much a quick drive with the local um, policeman and then you got your licence and I Is hopped in the car was? and drove back to Melbourne. Is that what <laughs> it was back in the day?
0: It was, yeah, why, it was. Why did you buy it?
2: Why did you buy it? Why I buy it? Yeah, why did you buy the car? If because it's I got... Well, at 16 and I got my sign-on bonus, I thought, Better do something that's buying it. a car. Yeah. <laughs> so you get drafted to Collingwood. Yep. you're a huge Essendon fan. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, have, you were filthy, weren't you? Oh, I was shattered. <laughs> Absolutely gutted. So the once again, everything's changed so much. Like the drafts, it's a big production now, but I didn't even get to listen to it anyway. I just heard uh, on, it would have been 3WM out of Horsham, the local radio, and just on the hour, on the half hour, the updates, and it was I'd been drafted to Collingwood. And the biggest shock with that, I, I'd had interviews with every club, and they were the club that I hadn't had an interview with. And it's funny that Gubby Allen was in charge then, and I, I lived with Gubby and obviously worked closely with him uh, and against over the journey now. But, really? And they just beat Essendon in a grand final that year, like their first premiership for 32 years, and I had mates who were Collingwood supporters, and... They used to give me the shits all the time, and um, <laughs> yeah, I was in tears at first.
1: Because you you had you had bombers posters up yeah, on the yeah. wall. Who, yeah. were you, who were the players you looked up to when you were?
2: Yeah, done so with? the posters. Jesus, funny. It still feels like yesterday. <laughs> the Duna cover pillowcase wow. and yeah. posters all over the wall, and eighty four, eighty five back to back, flogged in eighty three, but it was it was a lot of the local guys because that was the old Essence Zone. So Tim Watson, just up the road at Dimboola, huge fan. Uh, Merv Nagel was Dimboola, Roger Merrick, Caniva, Glen Hawker, Caniva, Shane Hurd, Horsham. So uh, it was all going on around me. And then obviously before I got drafted, both uh, Dean Wallace and David Flood, who were from NIL, um, they were at Essendon then as well, and Johnny Barnes, who was a bit of a lunatic Barnesy, but he was spent time in Caniva as well. So it's just that, that affiliation. And probably for me, it, it was great to be able to see people from around your area because when you're growing up in a small country town... It feels like it's so far away, but when you got all these guys who've been really successful that come from 30k's up the road, it gives you that belief that it's actually possible. So, mm. and that's really what inspired
1: me. John Barnes, one of my favourites, Geelong number six, Ruckman. Yeah, but he, he 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 played like a true Ruckman. Not, just used to do some things, Barnsley and just be thinking, what's going on here, John? Absolutely. What are you
2: actually thinking about? And he finally got his, uh, yeah, after missing out Geelong a few times, he yes. uh, got that flag back at Essen. That's up, right. Full circle.
1: So you're you're a high draft pick.
2: Yeah. Pick yeah, four. Pick four. So What um, were you?
1: Backman, forward? No, I was
2: actually a key forward, but I'd played in the Teal Cup, so the old under-17s, which are now the under-18s Nationals. Uh, my coach there, I, I played as a 14-year-old, so I played – Three years advanced and the legendary Slug Jordan, late, great Slug Jordan, was my coach. And, um, yeah, throughout that uh, sort of lead up to that champs, he just threw myself and a I forget the other kid. He was from St. Arnaud, I think Sean Slater his name was, but we were centre-half forward, full forward and he thought, I'm going to put you centre-half back and full back. And that's where I played as sort of a 14-, 15-year-old through the under-17s. Um, and ended the AFL probably as a Ford, but there's no doubt as a career um, progressed that was as a key back that I'd finally sort of cement my spot and make my name. So you drive to Collingwood, okay?
1: You're not happy to be there, but you know you're on an AFL list. Mm. They've just won a flag, haven't they? Nine and nine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So
2: it was um, yeah, just won the flag. But the moment I walked in the door, it all changed. Like to see uh, Peter Dacos, the late great Darren Mullane, Mick McGuan, Gavin Brown, Tony Shaw. Krasiska Stasevich, that was just, it was an unbelievable experience and they looked after me really well and, you know, you talk about the life lessons and life skills you gain, well, you know, I'm 16 and a half and you're learning a lot, you're learning some good stuff, you're learning some pretty ordinary stuff, <laughs> so that spar on a Monday was was an interesting conversation but um, times have definitely changed but uh, yeah, I ended up having four years there and i probably probably... Um, yeah, I had some success. I probably played my best footy there when Craig Kelly actually did his knee and was out for 12 months and they put me back to centre-half back and uh, it was, was going pretty well there. But ultimately, Gary Pert, who was a star at Fitzroy, came to the club and probably thought my days were a bit numbered there and, you know, Adelaide come knocking and I was, had a bit of an affiliation there. Growing up and Neil was halfway between Melbourne and Adelaide, so thought it would be a pretty seamless transition. Yeah.
0: How did you go playing Essendon the first time? <laughs>
2: Well, the rivalry was uh, was huge. So it was as much as I love them. Once you start playing against them, and definitely the Collingwood experience, and uh, not as much Adelaide, but we'll get to the North. There became a great hatred then, very quickly, <laughs> because yeah, that especially the Collingwood and then the North Essendon rivalry, being the, the near neighbours, was quite fierce. So the opportunity comes for Adelaide. Um, yep. They come knocking.
1: Um, you move there in '95. Have, have some really good footy there at Adelaide. What was your time like there?
2: Yeah, it was interesting because we... So Robert Shaw was the coach. Uh, that was a really good fit for me. Obviously, he coached, um, he coached Fitzroy. Um, we probably... You know how you can hit it off with a coach, similar styles. He was a very defensive, very structured. Anal- the way he analysed the opposition, he was ahead of his time with that. And me playing as a defender it probably suited my style... But that group we had at Adelaide, it didn't really suit that style because predominantly back then they were nearly all South Australians and they had a lot of flair and so it probably wasn't the right fit. And doesn't help uh, – Sean Wren was just an unbelievable ruckman. He pretty much missed nearly two years with knee reconstruction. So we didn't have a great success. And after two years, obviously they made change and Malcolm Blight come in. And Malcolm uh, really did fit that group because he was the opposite. He was all out attack. tack. Yeah. So um, for me though – I didn't play much under Malcolm. I only played about the first six games in 97, which ultimately we, we went on to win the flag. So, yeah, after some pretty solid form in the first couple of years, um, that third year didn't go well. And probably the biggest thing for me being at Collingwood, you're in the spotlight a lot because it's, you know, one of the bigger clubs, if not the biggest. And as a 16-year-old, they've just won the flag. You pick four. It's their first pick, this, this you know, great white hope. And then you go to Adelaide and it was nearly worse because there was one team town. So the focus yeah. and the attention by the media over there was um, was probably even bigger. So um, it was great. It was a great experience. I probably to be honest, being at the age I was then, there's probably uh, there's some solid footy there in the first couple of years. Not great in the third, but it was probably better of fun off field in that period of time because there was a good young group coming through. Um, we did have a lot of fun, um, but ultimately being around a club that wins its first premiership ever, um, it was was special, albeit. You know, you're not
1: out there playing. So yeah, do you do you remember? That? I mean, yeah, even though you're not at the footy club, calling have come off the flag, and you're around yeah. that winning culture. Yep, Adelaide similar. A young group build up into a grand final that you win. Like you say, you're not in that team. Do you remember? Like do you
2: remember '97? And oh, did, absolutely. It, did it hurt yeah, At the time, yeah, or were you yeah. happy?
1: Well,
2: you're happy. There's a bit of hurt, but I suppose because I'd only played that first six games, it wasn't like I'd played you know, the first yep. final or the last home and away game and then didn't get back in. I was, I was probably on the outer there and left some form was good. I just didn't get close enough to crack back in. Although you were, you were training as best you could and hanging on to that, I'd hope that maybe an opportunity would present. Um, so, yeah, I remember it. It was, uh, it was good fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I still remember the prelim final day at Adelaide Bulldogs. The guys that weren't playing, we trained and we stayed in Adelaide. And we were given the task of if this goes pear shade, you boys have got to get Mad Monday sorted. <laughs> and at half time, we are a long way behind and we had everything booked. <laughs> the next half of footy transpires and we've got up by a couple of points. We had to put some cancellations out there that <laughs> kind of didn't need to make the call because everyone was across what was going on. So, um, yeah, it was an amazing week. The crowds at training that week, grand final week, was quite phenomenal. They, they needed, um, uh, you know, organising you know, the traffic around the ground and parking and everything and it was, yeah quite quite remarkable and the, even the grand final day itself we there was a group of us that only flew over on the the Saturday morning and yeah just being being their grand final day and once again I think the first half the Saints probably had our measure yeah. 13 or 14 points down and then the second half we just had front row seats to the Darren Jarman show, really, and McLeod and Goodwin, and, yeah, it was quite phenomenal. So, um, yeah, sort of really come from nowhere. And I think both years at Adelaide won, 97, 98, I was on the other side, obviously not top four sides, sort of come from outside and did it the hard way. Um, so, yeah, so not not as much of the disappointment we'll, we'll touch on later on, but it was just great to be part of.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, just, just you know, looking at your career before we sat down to chat, I... I feel like it's one of the most remarkable footy journeys I've seen, really, and that that's intertwined with yep some some you know, missed opportunities and yep. disappointments. But you're around six, you played in some great sides and some great yeah. players your whole career. You you weren't playing with sides just yeah. making up the numbers.
2: No, as an exercise, I think I went through when I finished playing, and I just looked at those three cl- clubs that I'd played at and. We talked about the success Collingwood had had and then obviously that period at Adelaide, uh, which was one flag when I was there, ultimately two. And then into the North Melbourne era, it was like... I I picked two teams of like, you know, best probably 20 at the time and he was quite phenomenal. And (laughs) like, you're talking premierships, All-Australian, 250, 300-game players are two really powerful sides. And And you sit down at the start and you'd love to... Been the one club player and go all the way through, but it, it wasn't to be. But I, I think of the journey and the the opportunities I got to play with some just there's hall of famers everywhere. Yeah, um, it's it's quite remarkable.
1: So that '97 Adelaide Grand Final, you don't uh, play in that. You get traded the next year. Yeah, to North Melbourne. Yep.
2: So I, I I really thought I was done and dusted. I have had 75 games over seven years to that stage, and I was preparing probably for you know life after football, which would have meant probably. I, I really enjoyed it in Adelaide. I probably would have stayed there. I would have thought, like the opportunity maybe to get into that development space, but We just would have played sand full footy, I, I would have imagined, and probably with a view to maybe go coaching at one stage. But, um, yeah, I had, I got wind of a journey, but I didn't think much of it, that North may have had an interest. And it was all off the back of them winning in 96. 97, they lost a prelim, um, and they had the retirement of Ian Fairley. So there was, there was actually... Position specific as a key back came up, and I remember Dennis Pagan, coach at North Melbourne. He, he came to see me, and it was like three days after the grand final. He came to see me at my place at West Lakes at the time, and three days after the premiership win is not ideal timing for so a So that would have been a, the Monday or the Tuesday. Uh, it would have been Tuesday, Wednesday. So um, <laughs> you would have been uh, in all sorts. Dusty, dusty. Hello, hello Dennis. But he—I'll um, never forget. He just had this A4 piece of paper and. I look back and I understand now like you start off as the early draft pick, you're chock full of confidence, but now you're in the in the big pool and slowly but surely you get knocked around a bit to the point where I was just lacking so much belief and confidence. I, I could even play at the level like Blighty's the master coach, we just want to flag at Adelaide, I wasn't part of it. Yeah, maybe maybe it's not for me, the AFL. But Dennis on this A4 sheet of paper, he was a Backyard psychologist, Dennis. And he just had all these things about what's good about Jason McCartney. And he he made me feel really good about myself. And I thought this, you know, this could work. But then I went to the Perth on, I reckon, the Friday with some uh, Adelaide Crows teammates. And we're there for a couple of days and then we're going to Bali. And when push come to shove, it was the the, the deadline of the trade. And I said, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm finished. Really? I'm finished and the one thing i can never remember i remember uh, my late father and my two brothers i was chatting to them and they were going just are you sure about this are you sure because you know you don't want to have regrets like it feels like your career is unfulfilled and this is just a one-year opportunity to go and give it everything and just see how it works out and I know, can't no i can't be bothered i'm done i've had enough and I had one – Dennis just made one more phone call and I can never remember exactly what he said, but it was no doubt that it was the conversation with Dad and my brothers but then also whatever Dennis said that I jumped on that plane to go to Bali and um, I knew I was going to North and it was just, yeah, give it everything you got for one year and see what happens. Um, and that's – in my footy career, that's the, the best decision I've ever made because that one year ended up being six years at <laughs> – a club that was just—I think every year, bar one—I was there. We were, were challenging in around prelims and grand finals. So was, was that like
0: a, a switch for you? Like as soon as you you like came okay, I in, like you had full belief that you could do it, or did it take some time for you to start to yeah, get took, that back? It took
2: some time, but the one thing about Dennis, he promised me that if I if I come over, there's no guarantees, but he said what I will guarantee: if you do the right thing, have a good strong pre-season, I'm going to play you. There's a position there, and I'll play you. And I'll give you a good block of games there through the preseason. So all of a sudden you're lacking that self-belief, and you have got someone who's believing in you. And I played okay, and you make a few blunders where normally you think oh, I'm going to be out, but he stuck by me. And then with each week, you just rediscovered that belief in your own ability. Um, and that was that ended up being a you know a pretty strong year for me considering where I'd been, and and, and we played in a grand final so.
1: You've been list manager at two AFL clubs post-career, Bulldogs and GWS, yep. current role. Yeah. Um, just jumping forward, and we'll come back to where we were, but do you think about experiences like this with Dennis Pagan and Malcolm Blythe yeah. and players you played with?
2: You'd have to have, you'd have to have be using this in what you do yeah, now. Yeah, right? absolutely. You do. We know it's changed a lot, but although there's a number of things that changed in the game, there's the basic fundamentals have never really changed. Yeah. And that's you know, rewarding people that have the right attitude and attributes, really. Um, so you, I'm always conscious in that role at the Bulldogs, that list management role, and then onto the Giants, and obviously now still doing that, but that broader role as a, as a GM. You, you just got to make sure that you always take a deep breath in a situation and reflect back to, hey, I've been through this. And I reckon it's a bit easier when you were never a star because you had to do it the hard way. I reckon it's a bit harder for the some of the stars of the game. Even with coaching, they just mightn't get how hard it is. If it's become very natural, but I reckon the ones have had to work really hard at it and had some some probably more lows than the highs. You just got to make sure because I reckon there's some sometimes early in the role at the Bulldogs that you know I wouldn't reflect on that enough. And you just got to put yourself in that player's shoes in that situation. And go yeah yeah, I, I know what you're going through because mm. I've been there. Um, and you just have a little bit more empathy around it. helps with your decision-making, um, and I, I think it helps
1: you in the role. The, positive, the positivity element of Dennis Pagan, I think Dennis De- – people who don't know Dennis like you would yeah. would look at Dennis Pagan and think, you know, harsh, yeah, you know, ruthless coach. yeah. But to come and rock up at you know, a kid's house with a piece of paper telling him how good he was yeah. when he didn't think you were good. That's right. That's pretty, a pretty strong message. Yeah,
2: it was. He was. He was a remarkable coach. There's no doubt about it. And we all, I would say probably 95% of us look back now and we would all say Dennis had a massive influence, not only on our playing careers but shaped us beyond football and in life. And at the time we didn't see that though. We just thought, he's a hard-ass, give us a break, please. But what we now know is if he if he wasn't riding you, then you're in strife. Didn't ride you. <laughs> yeah. So he rode most of the guys he thought oh, they i can get the best out of them and in essence that helps him and helps the club so yeah it was hard at the time and he used to butt heads occasionally but um yeah he was
1: wonderful Dude. he was wonderful for us yeah it, 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 it would have had some all-time sprays all-time
2: yeah I, I don't know i, I don't know if <laughs> any oh look me. he's got a number of paganisms actually that <laughs> we we used to have the footy trips were big back then and the north footy trips were legendary like 44 guys on the list and nearly every player would go every year and we could sit around and play drinking games just regurgitating all the paganisms and things (laughs) like that. So it was wonderful. I remember my last – it might have been 2021. I was coming back from injury I was out of the side, returning, playing VFL and it was – training was just so hard then too and um, the AFL must have played on the Saturday and we had the training – we played on the Sunday and Monday it was kind of just match play anyway. It didn't matter if you played the day before. And I, I spat it with him. It was the wrong thing because it was in front of the group. But, um, yeah, he didn't take too kindly to being harshly spoken to by a player what in front he, of the group. What did he do? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a stare that I'll uh, I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> it but deep. he was just – I talk about the psychology of it all and it was, it was fascinating. Like, I went a number of times. He used to have a uh, – I think it was Pellegrini's, a little restaurant in the city. And he'd grab you by the – sunny. I'm going to take you, it's time to go for a bowl of pasta or or a bowl of soup. And you'd meet him at the club at Arden Street and he'd drive you in there and you'll have had the conversation on the way in there. So then you have the pasta or the bowl of soup and it's like you're struggling to make conversation and and then you got the trip home. Um, But, yeah, I I had that uh, a couple of times. But he also used to talk often about, because uh, he lived in Essendon, and uh, Puckle Street, Mooney Ponds, the, the main strip there. So he'd often talk about, uh, Sonny, I need to get you down to Puckle Street to the confidence shop. <laughs> so, <laughs> down to the confidence shop. So, uh, yeah, he, in his time, it, it really worked and really worked for our group. So so
1: you get traded there in North, North Melbourne in yeah. 98. So 97, um, Adelaide, you missed yep. that grand final. Yep. Yep.
2: 98, you played in grand final. First year at the club Yep. against Adelaide. Yeah, so the, sort of. the irony of that is it was – The prelim was Adelaide Bulldogs again as it was a year before and um, we've got through on the Friday, I think, from memory and then Saturday that game and and Adelaide smacked them. So all of a sudden they've come from nowhere again and as great as it was to be playing in a grand final, it was this... It's kind of like, not these blokes. They had their go last year. Like, this is... I missed out. This is my turn. And we were it's amazing how footy works because in um 98 we were the we were the best side by by a fair streak and um we dominated them in the first half um but we were so inaccurate i think the end of school, we i don't know what crows kicked but we were eight goals 22 or something and we really cost ourselves wow. went in at halftime we we're four goals up it felt like we should have been 10 and they they started to overrun us in the third i think we might have kicked a goal at three-quarter time that got us back within a point. But I remember going at three-quarter time and you just knew we were gone, we were gone. And again, it was it was Jarman, it was McLeod, Goodwin and Rashudo and these guys. So that was that was really tough because that's the best day of your life. In a half a footy turns into the worst. And I'm watching my good mates again run around with the, the cup and premiership medallion. So... Yeah, that was that was a real tough on that.
0: Had had the um had the, your team come to you for any sort of intel? You know, playing your old team in the grand final. Yeah,
2: I remember talking to Dennis a bit about it all. Um, it's one of those things like you do you do lean on whether it's players or staff that have moved from other clubs. But yeah, well, everyone was pretty aware of how Adelaide played. It was a pretty aggressive attacking style of footy, and. You know, they did they did some things which is very common now. Like we had a really strong team at North and we had a pretty set midfield and you didn't need to rotate much at all um, those days. But obviously Adelaide had done it the year before and they certainly did. The grand final day in 98 was, um, it was 29, 30 degrees. It was warm, it was blustery. And we'd just come off the back of 10 weeks in a row, including finals, we were all night games. And um, it, it got us and they got us and they started bloody... Would flick the magnets around and they were rotating through the midfield and they, yeah they blew us away. We just we just couldn't go with them in the end. So that when I look back at everything, there's been a lot happen. I look back with disappointment on that one because of we're just so superior that year. And I think even the other North boys that ultimately played in two premierships, that's the one that eats away at him because we probably should have walked away in that period with with the three flags. But grand finals are a funny day and anything's possible. Yeah. You, given the journey you've had in footy, you, you're able to reflect on
1: grand finals. Which, to, to be fair, some people can't either. Yeah. They don't get those opportunities. Yeah. So, are you able to, at the end of it all, look back and you know be you know thankful? Yeah, absolutely. That, of course. Yeah. You've got yeah. So I can of... I can
2: talk about it and remember so much around that game. I won't watch it though. <laughs> I won't watch it. You do get caught end of season. You, the kids might see something on Fox Footy, and they are the old Grand Final, so you watch a bit. But yeah, I'm not. It's not a game. I'm sitting down. Uh, I think I'm a little <laughs> way off that. Even though it was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm watching that whole one, um, the replay of that. But yeah, you just you just got really good memories. So yeah, like ultimately, you want to be playing and and winning a Grand Final. But then the other part, and obviously what transpired later on, I'm just very grateful to still be around. But it actually to look back, and I know there's so many players that just don't get that opportunity to experience grand final day. So over that period of what three years, I was at clubs that was were involved um, three grand finals in a row. So to experience the the build up, the week, the parade, and everything that goes around it, and then the day is yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. That's for sure. And the
1: fans, right? Like you, you've, you've been involved in at least five, no six clubs. I can think of six AFL yeah, 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 clubs, yeah. Yeah, like. The, the the fans, it'd be fair to say, you know, Kangaroos right now they're not where they want to be, but but that like I imagine Arden Street at the time in these you know late nineties yeah like for like, parochial fans yeah yeah
2: nuts yeah, going going on stage after you know after we lost in ninety eight but ninety nine on the Sunday it, it, like rock stars and it makes me sort of fast forward to the list management role at the Bulldogs when we won that flag in sixteen. As amazing as that was, I wish now I could go back in time and not be in the roles I field because that's great. You're in a sanctum. You're a big part of it. I wish I could experience what the fans experience. And what I mean by that is um, you only have to go and have a look at YouTube and everything now and all the footage on there of what it would have been like um, in a pub in Footscray, even through that whole finals campaign. Yeah. It's quite remarkable. The grand final day in a pub in Footscray, what that would have been like in the streets of Footscray. The Sunday I drove past, we were going to a pub to meet the players. I, I didn't even try and get into Witten Oval because that was just a sea of people. You could see it. So it's unbelievable when you're involved, but then the, the the kid that's always grown up loving footy, you'd love to be able to go, geez, that's great, but I wish I could have experienced a, a little bit of the other as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, there's, and that was certainly the case at that, that period at North Melbourne.
1: 99, um, so 98, uh, you lose that grand final, 99. Uh, good season, you're in the team, yeah. playing well. Uh, prelim final, it's, it's, a, it's a good year for the club. I mean, North Melbourne will win the premiership. Yeah.
2: You're playing in the prelim. Yep, yep. Uh, Backman. Backman, yep. Uh, always make a contest, Dennis, <laughs> regardless how late you are. Yeah, it's a funny one, that, because I talked about us being clearly the best team in 98 and not winning. 99, the best team was Essendon, and they got beaten in a prelim by a point. They didn't make the grand final. So we played we played Brisbane on the Friday night, and they were – Lee Matthews was coaching then. That's the start, so this that's is a, the start yeah, of a Yeah, this is – you know, Voss is young, young Simon Black, Akinmanis, Lynch is firing, Brownie would have been a, maybe just starting out. But – uh, Daniel Bradshaw, mm. a real powerful side in the making, and uh, close, relatively close game. We had him covered. I've played every game that year. Had a really strong season, and yeah, just it was late. It was late in the last quarter. Uh, Clark Keating, uh, great September specialist in Brisbane. Absolutely. Sometimes he missed a bit during the year, but he always found his way back when the <laughs> um, when the whips were cracking. Come finals time. And, it was funny, a great relationship with Mick Martin, the North fullback. So we're the, both the key defenders, and I remember Mick was playing on him, and I, I covered for him, and it's just uh, I still remember the spot on the ground on the, the Shane Warren stand side now, Punt Road end, about half forward, and he's marked in front of me, and I just always remember that thing I talked about forward, Dennis. You've always got to have a physical presence, and I knew I was going to be late, and I had a very bad habit, and I've been reported a couple of times on the the ruck size, taller forwards, the 200-centimetre ruckman, that I'd be a bit round-armed with my spoiling technique. And I knew I was going to be late, but I thought I just it was just natural. And I thought I just would have hit him in the in the shoulder and he knows I'm around. But when he marked it, he didn't land on his feet. He dropped to his knees. So shoulder became smack bang across the nose. And he's sort of the trainer comes out and he's on his haunches and I'm reported straight away, Darren Gold, uh, Goldspinkel was there. Yeah, Spink was the umpire, reported straight away. It's just like, oh no, oh, no this isn't going to go well. And then he runs off the ground, he takes the bloody, the white towel away from his nose and that wasn't a great sight. Um, <laughs> so anyway, here we go, we're off to the tribune and I, I knew I was in strife and I ended up getting four weeks because uh, back then they would add a bit of loading onto your history and the irony of it all is I actually only ever missed one game because back then you could serve your suspension in the pre-season series. And in 2000, we progressed through to the grand final of the pre-season series. So I was able to play practice matches with the reserves before our night pre-season series. And then I served the other three weeks there and then played in the night grand final. So I only ever missed one game Mm. um, for that four-week suspension and it was a grand final. And I hadn't missed a game all year. And um, obviously... uh, yeah, I think for me, as bad as I felt that Friday night, yeah, Saturday Essens playing Carlton, and you, you sort of we, we knew Essen were the best side, and it probably wasn't until four forty-five when that siren went on Saturday, that's when it went from I'm missing a grand final to I'm missing a premiership, because mm. there's no way, there's just no way Carlton was going to be able to repeat that against us the uh, the next week, so. That was a tough week. That was a really tough week. So, once again, I, I suppose I, I drew on my experiences from the year before. Like team sports, about team success, the disappointment of us losing the year before. When I was at the club, I put on a very fake, brave face. I was shocking at home, um, but uh, it's funny the, the back end of that week, I felt like I probably had my best training, couple <laughs> of training sessions I'd had for a number of a number of weeks, and then. All I could do was be there grand final day and support as best you could. Um, I couldn't sit down. I I stood in a race the whole game and was a bit tired early, but we kicked away. And um, yeah, I I just had great support from so many people around the club and making you feel a part of it. But with their best endeavours to make you feel part of it, I just know I'm not because once again, I'm in a suit. The boys are up on the dais with the medallions and the cup and they make you feel part of it. But you know, you look back in history and, you're actually not a premiership player, so that was that. That period was tough, and then probably the weeks and months that followed. That was as low as I'd been because you're just thinking it's just eluded me now a couple of times. And you know, we still got a good side, but do I do I get that opportunity again? And ultimately, uh, got to a prelim the next year, um, but we didn't get there. And then it was probably the end of that that era of North Melbourne being such a dominant force. Was there someone in particular that took your spot? At the yeah, yeah, field? it was. A great story. Uh, Cam Mooney. So Cam obviously no played no in. Why. Yeah, Cam Mooney. Huh? And um, Cam mo- won't mind me saying this. Quite a good game. Right? His contribution, <laughs> stats-wise, was exactly the same as mine that day, standing in the race in a suit. Cam had donuts for the whole game. Wow. So his, his strongest contribution is Anthony Stevens, who was a star, he went into the game with a fractured ankle, but he got up. He got up and he was on fire in the first quarter. Uh, and then ironically, he tore a pec muscle. So it wasn't the ankle that slowed him up. So he was out of the game. So Moons' greatest contribution was carrying Steve around on his shoulders when we're doing the Lap of Honor. <laughs> 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 and then obviously he goes to Geelong and um, he, he played at least another couple there. Yeah. So had he played much through the season? Uh, maybe a handful of games. He's, like, he's just on the fringe. Mm. Yeah, so Front he was time. just the um, the obvious replacement, and yeah, did nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cam Mooney's is the Will Schofield of twenty eighteen. You realise Brad Brad Shepherd is Jason yeah, McCartney. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So at 90- least you played well, though, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a very good. <laughs> Go out there and have zero. Um. So that's uh. 99 yeah like you said i've heard you speak about it before the next year it could have gone two ways for you like you could yeah. have you could have really it could have been again probably yep. the end of the, the footy yeah, going yeah. well you, you, you said yourself, my best year yeah
2: 2000 was my best year yeah you know, i just had this ability to be able to go as hard as it was take on the disappointment and go got to go again with the hope that you know i would get an opportunity and there's part of me that had some frustration that year, and it was just, and it wasn't, it wasn't right. But um, because I was having a really good year, sometimes I was looking and thinking, "Are my, my teammates? They've they've tasted success twice, but that was just they were going fine. But that was just me, just desperate to to get another crack at it. Um, yeah, yeah. And what what happened? Like Essendon obviously ended up winning it. Uh, Melbourne had our measure, but uh, I think that year too, though we played in a final against Essendon. And they beat us by 20-plus goals. But the next week, in a semi, we come back and beat Hawthorne. And then yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne, I think, beat us quite convincingly. But, but, yeah, in the end, it was a really strong year for me personally. Probably No doubt my best year, but, um, yeah, it wasn't to be. So that was the uh, Olympic year, 2000, and the grand final was early September and off we went on an amazing footy trip again with the North Boys to to Mexico and Vegas.
1: Also, I know these footy trips, Adam Simpson, Drew Petrie, Daniel Pratt, Brady Rawlings, they made their way to West Coast during my career. Yeah. in fairness to west coast early days you know, footy trips always been quite a big part of that football club as well yeah, yeah. I, um I, I got there at the end of 06 so i saw a fair bit going on yeah a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit going on mum mum ran in the radio station SEN in um in uh, in january because that that off season um they'd been to vegas they won the flag they went to vegas fair yeah. bit went on there and there's a lot of Outside noise. And, yeah. you know, Jan, Jan, you might have met Jan, my mum. Yep. Um, she rang Sen and um, just was teeing off at anyone that – she was defending the club because yeah. they, they were great for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was instilled in me as a young age. Uh, that was the last time mum was allowed to speak to the media. Actually, <laughs> had a, a couple of quiet words to mum.
2: She hasn't been on the podcast? Not yet. <laughs> Not, so she was very year's. close to last
1: week. Um, but it was always instilled in me the footy trip element was – as important as playing. And I know that yeah. might sound whatever, but I, I know you'll agree yeah. that the connections that you can build with people away from the club, having some beers and yeah. not being in that elite high-pressure environment, it's very important. And I still think it is important. And I think maybe some yep. clubs are moving away from it. But
2: Yeah. No, we uh, – got no doubt. Like, just that ability and there was a – when was it? It might have been my um, – oh, it was 2002 – When we went away, that might have been, like Drew Petrie spoke about, it might have been his first year at the club, another young guy, Daniel Harris. And some of those young guys that come away with us, they naturally enough come into the system. They're a bit different now. They say a bit more, but probably hardly spoken a word to anyone and they're just trying to learn and apply their trade as 18-year-olds. But to get them away in that environment and they relax and loosen up a bit and have a bit of fun, their next years were so much better. Um, because it felt like they, they had that away from the, the pressures of the week to week. They just became, you know, really well connected with the group. So it was, it was something that North had, like I said, and the, the numbers were always big and they were always, um, yeah, even before I got there they were just wonderful trips, some exotic places, but it was only ever four, five, six days. But then it was the boys would then break off in groups and travel the world. Um, like that year... Olympic year, there was a group that went to Munich because beer festival. You get Greek islands because your season's finished that that month earlier. Um, so that connection piece for that group um, was was something that was the envy of so many other clubs. Like a restaurant in um, near the Vic Market in Melbourne, Dom Camilla's. You know, we'd go there for lunch. There'd be 10, 15 of us. The Essendon boys would come in. There'd be one or two of them they would see us and they'd walk out. Uh, just in, it was something that they then built around that 99, 2000, earlier, but they they, they just felt intimidated and in the, the closeness of, of, of our group. So there's no doubt had a big part in why we were successful. And I'm sure we'll you would have seen it with West Coast. We see it here at the Giants. We've got so many players from in the state. There's, there's minimal local talent. Um, and what there is, that's generally, you know, regional New South Wales or ACT. So the, the strength of the, the group, that is your family type thing. So it can be quite powerful.
1: Yeah, it's um it's it's remar- I, I used to try and get as much out of I was Fines Master at West Coast and yeah a big part of our uh, funding for the footy trip came yeah. from Fines. But um I remember some stories from Simo around uh the North Melbourne fundraising abilities. Like I you used to do like a players barbecue every year that you'd you'd get you'd get yeah. all the fan, fans would yeah. buy tickets to come down to a barbecue. It's a big
2: yeah, there was a big draw. There was
1: there was there some was of sp- players might have won it. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was there was some of the things I went off similar I was like, geez, you boys are almost funding the footy club at yeah, stages. Yeah,
2: no, there was a there was a couple of other events that um yeah, you could probably talk about them openly in the eighties and nineties, but not in twenty twenty three. Okay. Very not, good. not a um, But day. they did get some good funds to contribute towards forty four blocks going away. <laughs> and the the other great thing, I should get a good mention, is um when you got a captain like, Wayne Carey went out of his way to make that. That was the mm. the big thing. And there was some lower end, obviously, you have rookies and that couldn't really afford. And I, I know that the fundraising piece was big to get them on board, but I, it's fair to say I know him and probably Arch and others would also probably chip in to make sure these young guys got away as well. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Well,
1: I don't think people, maybe from afar, they see the footy trips, uh, people carrying on, get on yeah. the piss. Yeah. That, that helped you guys win games. Yeah, it did. No doubt, right? Yeah, no doubt. So, um,
2: I mean, the footy trip element, you're on a footy trip in 2002, aren't you? So, being, being to, uh, we'd been to New Orleans for five days and I suppose the irony of all that, we've seen what's happened September 11, the year before, and hmm. we got a footy trip to New Orleans and I initially, well, that was one of the organisers, I was at that stage, because obviously, um, I didn't know whether I was going to go on or not, because Narissa and I, my wife, were getting married in December that year and then as it got closer, I thought, ah, yeah, I need to be there. I've organised a lot of this. I need to be there. But the, the irony of it all is you're going there and you do have a level of apprehension because the world's a different place then after those um, terrorist attacks in America. And we're going to New Orleans and yeah, we're there for five days. It's just an amazing trip. And then once again, guys stayed, states went on to other parts of the world. And there's a, a group that came back to Australia, but Mick and I came back here to Sydney and Mick Martin, that is. But we're going to Bali the next day, just for, just for a week. Catch up with some mates from um, from Perth who are over there. So yeah, we've we've done the footy trip, which I thought, you know, like I said, after what had happened a year, you, you're a bit apprehensive about. And then yeah, get to get to Bali, and then you get caught in a terrorist attack. Yeah. So after really only arriving that sort of afternoon, Does,
1: I mean, we've spoken about your footy journey before um, two thousand and two. But, but clearly there's not many people that have moments in their life that can actually reflect on footy as just as footy. Like sometimes yeah, yeah. people can get really caught up with yeah. the football bubble. And you've been in footy, oh, right, yeah, your whole life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, I, I'd assume given what happened in Bali that year, yeah, it puts things in perspective.
2: Yeah, it does. So the fact that what happened in footy and missing out on that premiership medallion and things like that, um, it doesn't – It doesn't bother me, to to be honest. Like, I'm sure if I hadn't gone through something like this, it would still eat away at me. But um, I'm just grateful that after, unfortunately, going through that, you, you live to fight another day. So it does put everything into perspective. And like you said, footy, it's amazing. It's been just so wonderful for me and continues to be. So, like, I'm 49 now and I started at 16. And that's the only industry I've been in. That's all I've done. And it's just super. Um, But, yeah, when you go through battles, and and everyone's got a story, different battles with um, health or the terrorist attack that I and others went through, it it just puts everything back into perspective. So, um, yeah, you never think you're going to ever go through something like that. But I suppose for me, you think, how unlucky, but I only think about that for a moment because from the moment it happened, I just feel unbelievably fortunate every step of the way that... I was able to make it through and come out the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, kick off the footy season at the Leaderville Hotel,
1: our new favourite local, Dan. Oh, yeah. They're a hub for live sports. I knew that would excite you. With four big screens, a gigantic five-metre sky screen in the beer garden. Have you seen that one? No, it sounds like a cinema. Okay. Well, we were there last week. You should have looked. And a shiny purple tab-touch facility. Great place for a pint, a cheeky punt. And a good old-fashioned pub feed. That's got something for you, mm, I reckon, I love somewhere. I pub food. Yes, you do. You can catch the best of the AFL and the local codes live and loud in the pub and enjoy Siren to Siren specials during all the big matches. Most importantly, every Dockers. hmm And? Eagles games. Yes, that's right. You can see them lose every game live and local. Oh, at the Leadable. No, they're going to be better this year. I'm sure they are. Oh, There's specials, though, Dan. You can drown your sorrows. $8 pints. Of their in-house brewed Leedy local larder. pint. That is correct. $10 pints of pale ale from our good friends at Shelter Brewing.
0: My favorite beer of theirs. Is
1: actually very good. $10 pints. That's actually cheap. That's $10 cheeseburgers. Okay. Filet like
0: of fish would have been better, but that's okay. One
1: kilo of wings for 20 bucks. We both like wings. Mm, love them. And I like them when they're cheap. The Leederville train station is just a couple of stops down from the Optus Stadium. Mm. So if you are heading into the stadium, or if you're coming home from the stadium, you may as well call
0: in a lady for a couple of pints. It's less stops that you have to be amongst a thousand people on a train.
1: Correct. And then you can make your way home to wherever you live up north somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Check out the details on their website or on Instagram, theleadablehotel.com.au. We're working on some massive events this year between Backchat and the Leadable Hotel. So stay tuned for those, Dan. Um, yeah,
2: getting
1: life back to normal, really. Nick Martin was um, yep. with, with you. Yeah. Oh, how close is your connection with him? Yeah, know? it's
2: always it was it was a really good connection. at The footy club continues to be so, but I think your footy club mates, and, and especially when you move away and you're in a state and you're not in Melbourne, but your footy club mates, to me, they're like your great schoolmates. So it doesn't matter where you are uh, in Australia or anywhere in the world, and you mightn't even speak to them much on the phone, but when you catch up, it's like yesterday. Um, hmm. And we certainly had that. I remember going back uh, for the '99 premiership reunion, and there was got some guys I'd seen regularly, some I hadn't seen for, for years, and, and the great thing, the staff as well. And that day, it's just like you're with them a week ago, so that's great. But yeah, I'm Mick being with me in that situation, I'm just always extremely grateful, and he knows it. That yeah, if it wasn't for his help and support in that uh, initial stages, like I don't know what I would have done, even. Even though it was the 10th time I'd been to Bali, I don't know where I would have went to. He sort of was able to guide me up the road and chuck me on the back of a, a motorbike with a Balinese motorcyclist and got me back to the Hard Rock Hotel where we were staying, which most people think, what are you doing? Why aren't you going to a hospital? But I think Mick had been there half a dozen times before. Um, and in his wisdom, all he knew was, well, let's get back to the hotel because there's generally a doctor on duty there and at mm. least we'll get some treatment. So, yeah, so without Mick being there in that situation, yeah, I just don't know what I would have done and where I would have went. People people listening to this have
1: been to Bali. I've yeah, been there a hundred yeah. times. Sounds like you have as well, pre, yeah. and you've yep. been back there, obviously, yeah, after. Yep. But, like, a, a, a fucking bomb goes off. Yeah. Like, I mean, but
2: you don't, you're not yeah. – it doesn't so, matter
1: what's happening in the world at the time. No, 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 that's right.
2: I think if I fast forward to the Sunday morning in hospital, that became the great shock because as bad as I was, you didn't know how many others had been involved. But that Saturday night, to keep everyone calm in the emergency ward we we're in, they just talked about a gas explosion. Hmm. But to find out the next day, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, whenever it was, what had actually happened—it was a, it was a terrorist attack. It just put a whole, shed a whole new light on hmm. on what had happened, and a bit hard to deal with to be honest. But yeah, we, we actually had been out for dinner in Cooter, and we were, once again, it's like yesterday. We're on the left-hand side. I think it was the macaroni bar. We'd had pasta feed for dinner. It's on the same side as the Sari Club. We're heading that way. And this is where I felt guilty because I said to the boys, let's go across the road to Paddy's Bar because at least we'll be able to hear each other like have a chat Mm. because we only got there that day. We can go across there later. If we go in there now, we're not even going to hear it. You won't even be able to hold a conversation. So when it all happens... I'm not to know what had happened at Sari Club at the time. and like, I'm thinking, I've taken us to a place and there's a terrorist attack. But then I found out what had happened at Sari Club and I'm thinking, thank goodness we yeah. went to Paddy's. Now, in Paddy's, we had no idea at the time, been there 15, 20 minutes, but the suicide bomb was only five metres from where we are standing. So we, we are very, very lucky, that's for sure. Ugh. But I, yeah, I, I would be 95% confident if we'd been in probably the Sari Club that the four of us probably don't make it out. So, so. Mick, Mick, I mean,
1: Mick Martin, for me, growing up, right, I've been a back on my whole career. Yeah. I used to fucking love Mick. Yeah, and yeah. I was a Geelong fan, mate. Yes, yeah. so maybe that's why I liked him, that, yeah, yeah. that Gary guy Yeah. Know, maybe. Well,
2: is was that 94, I reckon. but, but he. Shooter?
1: It doesn't surprise me the way, it sounds silly, but like, I was just such a footy fan, still am, that big Mick Martin, this, like, yeah. he, he was the guy that, you know, saved you. Yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't, it
2: just sounds weird, but I almost look at him and be like, "Well, that's him." Isn't yeah, it? no, it is. It is. He's just got a heart of gold, like he's just this gentle giant, really, and just hilarious too, Mick. And he's still <laughs> the boys. We got. We talk about paganism,s we've got just as many Mick stories, but um, <laughs> yeah, he. So when I made it out the front, I was on my own, and I'm looking at the building and it's ablaze and just tumbling down. I thought, oh, I just thought, I'm never going to see Mick again. I mate Peter Hughes from Perth and his mate Gary Nash and. But then Mick appeared through the smoke and rubble and it was just, just so random that four of us could be together and here's Mick, uh, some minimal burn injuries. He had the perforated eardrums because the blast was just deafening. Um, but, yeah, just just pretty minimal injuries. So he was able to take control and sort of drag me up the road. So without that, I, I don't know how it would have been. But it, I look back now and, and even Mick spending time with me in the hospital and then when I went in for surgery then he doesn't see me again and, and he can't find me anywhere. And um, myself and others that were injured badly, you, as much as you're in a really bad way, you probably, you're taking a bit of what's around you, but you're just too bad, so you're not taking in as much. But for Mick who had minor injuries or the volunteers or they're helping or just the medical teams, the horrific scenes that they had to witness, there's no doubt the mental scars for Mick... far far deeper and greater than me and that's purely because I was just in such a bad way I saw a bit and it wasn't great but I was just in too bad a shape so for me it was more the physical injuries were far worse but Mick probably more the mental side of things which um you know that's that's really tough and when I have been back you you make a connection with Aussies that live there and expats and you hear some of the remarkable stories of what they were doing and it's just like there's so much focus and attention rightfully on people who are injured or lost loved ones and the support networks around them but making sure that these people that aren't injured that did so much and saw so much that they get the right level of support as well to help them through it mm. um, because no doubt the pain for them um, in a mental space would would be as great if not greater than us.
1: C- clearly uh, the biggest moment in your life, uh, it can go both ways, yep. incredibly fortunate. You do get back to Australia, yeah. Um, but you, you, you know, <laughs> is there any point that footy? Like, I just feel like you go through that part of your life, and it's like adversity and coming back. And yeah. like, at what point does that does, does that kick in for you? Like, the, yeah. like, is that is that why you're able to? Yeah, get you know, get back well, and no play. doubt. Like
2: the, I just think of the disciplines that get ingrained in you from a 16 year old being an elite sports person. And then the experiences along the way and probably more from the, the hardships maybe than the, than the highlights. But it just – everything kicked into gear. It was like – although I wasn't necessarily thinking about footy at the time, all the goal setting, bang, okay, what's short-term that I can focus on? Well, we'll get married on the 14th of December. So that's, that's the number one goal. Within that though, I'm in um, intensive care. I get to the Burns ward. So I need to meet my physio. Who's my physio? Can we get a plan in place? Can I see you twice a day? All I could do, my hands were a mess. It was like those stress balls, start squeezing them. But we love structure. As players, we live on structure. Give me the whiteboard, let's map it out. So just these major milestone was the wedding. um, But to get there, just these little milestones along the way. And as we know, it's not always smooth sailing. But when you tick some of them off... um, You're aspirational, Uh, probably didn't know whether I could really do it, but you're just blocking that, it's all positive. But you tick off a few of these milestones and you build that belief again. And then, uh, yeah, ultimately I got myself in a situation, um, the doctors, physios, surgeons, amazing, but they they were confident that we need to postpone the wedding. I'd need eight to ten weeks in hospital, in rehab. And just the extent of my injuries, playing at the elite AFL level, it's just highly unlikely. So once again, you're disappointed to hear that, but you just take it on board. And I'm try- just trying to grab onto any positives. And I go, okay. In their line of work, they absolutely need to be conservative. They can't get people's hopes up. So then I'm going, okay. It's 28 at the time. I'm a lead athlete. I'm fit. I'm healthy. Surely that plays a role. I didn't know, but I was hoping. So you grab onto the positivities. And, and and in the end, we're able to tick a few things off. And you know, I got out in like three and a half weeks. Um, wedding went ahead as scheduled um, which was just an amazing day and then like it was always then about returning to footy to not just play one AFL game but just to continue my career now I didn't share with my wife Narissa that I started to think about footy a lot earlier than what I led on to her because it was all about the wedding, obviously. <laughs> but footy had entered the equation in my own calculations. And she, she knows that too. Yeah, she knows that now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously it was – yeah, the wedding was amazing, a little bit of time off, and then I just returned to training as normal in January with the other boys, albeit a different program, and, and, I, and I was back into it. And I think the biggest thing for me, you talk about ticking off those milestones along the way. My biggest one was when I was physically ready to, to play again, and it was my 29th birthday. And at North Melbourne at the time, our reserve team was affiliated with Port Melbourne in the VFL, our VFA team, and it was actually their reserve grade. So it was a really low-level game. It was a Friday night at Carlton's um, home ground training base, and... Going into that game, I didn't have any fears for my injuries and I had the garments on both legs and both arms and long sleeve for protection, gloves because my hands were a mess, a bit more protection. I wasn't fearful of any of that and I would break open grafted skin. Every time I hit someone, I hit the ground. All I was worried about, can I still get a kick? (laughs) So playing that day, as, as much as... As amazing it was to return to AFL, that was a pivotal moment because, yes, I was ambitious and some would say you're very hopeful, but once I would ticked that off and thankfully I got a couple of kicks, I-, I knew I'd be able to do it. It really was what changed in that period. The longer it took, a bit more of a realisation, understanding what I was up against with my injuries, how long it might take to make a full recovery, balancing health with maybe some opportunities that were presenting life after football that I was... I'd neglected in the planning around that, and as hard as it was, ultimately a month before I returned to play AFL, Narissa and I knew that whenever it is I get back, it will change and it'll just be just be the one game. So we sat on that, and thankfully for us, it was um, yeah, it was only a month later, and yeah, we were able to return and put pull on that kangaroo's jumper again. Everyone sees the. That moment,
1: right? I think it's up there with some of the great moments of AFL ever. You returning to play, but as you're speaking about for you personally, like yeah. playing in the VFL Resies, <laughs> and you know pr- probably before that being able to walk again. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, they're, they're, it's not it's not those you know 120 minutes nah. for you. It might be for people who've watched yeah. it
2: but for you. Well, it was it was the you talk about the journey through your career? Well, this was the journey of this period of recovery, and you know, that amazing support network I had around me. So obviously my wife was just remarkable day and night by my side, my family, her family, um, but then it was that team of physios and surgeons and there's people at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne now that it's a bit like they're your old schoolmates now. We don't speak regularly but when we catch up it's like yesterday because they were remarkable. Um, So it was the journey of that group because whatever we do in life, you have your goals and aspirations, you can work really hard, but you got to have a great team around you because you just don't get there on your own. And I certainly had that. So to be able to get back and play again, um, not only for me but for that group, was, was really special. And it probably wasn't until after the game that I just realised the enormity and impact it may have had on so many others. Because I certainly wasn't lying in hospital intensive care thinking, "Geez, how can I impress upon a few people here? I just wanted to get life back on track. And for me, after what had happened... Uh, a full recovery was, okay, we are planned a wedding. We've got, that's got to go ahead. And I need to go back to work. Now, work was different, but I just – that to me is making a full recovery. So, yeah, after that last game, a function we went to, which was like after winning a premiership, a victory room at – but uh, what is it now, Marvel, it was Eddie had at the time. That's when it dawned on me when I'm looking down while I was interviewed, had over 100 guests there that night, seeing family and friends, but also – some of the emergency service teams, some people were involved and injured, some people lost loved ones. Um, to see those people and see the happiness that that night had brought to them is really special and a really like privileged position to be in because that wasn't my focus. My focus was to just get our lives back together after what had happened.
1: Footy clubs are one of the great levelers, Whether yeah. whether they be loss, whether it be – ups and downs and form whether it be mood relationships whatever it is being around footy clips so one of the great levelers so given you've been through life trauma um and what you had been through in your footy journey i know almost the answer to this question you're not just walking into that team because they feel sorry for you footy clubs are footy club Mm. who's your coach who's the coach at the time that has to you have to get you have to get a game they're not just gonna play you because you're jason McCartney. yeah
2: yeah no absolutely so it was an innocent, like it was a really interesting period because our coach, our long time coach and mentor, and Dennis, he'd left at the end of uh, twenty, that was two thousand and two. He left the end of that year, so he'd gone to Carlton. Huh. So, well, it was the end of, yeah, it was o2 So um, Danny Laidley is our coach, so first time senior coach, and he's dealing with well, first and foremost, I didn't know when Mick and I went away. We've come off this really successful era and with a new coach coming in, Dennis has gone, club probably moving in a different direction. Mick and I didn't even know. Mick's 13 games short of 300, two-time premiership player, one or two BNFs. We didn't even know if we are getting a contract. So that's the unknown of an off-season. Now – they give me a contract. They don't even know if I'm going to survive. They gave Mick the arse, which is <laughs> hilarious. And Mick went to Carlton, played 13 games with Dennis coaching and I remember him carrying his mum on the ground. He's 300 through the banner and he did his calf. And I reckon he only played half a quarter, but he got the 300. Massive contribution to the Carlton Footy Club, Mick. He'd be one of their all-time greats. Not. But he got the 300. But yeah, but Lades' coach is dealing with uh, – well, they gave me a contract. They didn't know I to survive. Mm. They certainly didn't think I'd ever play again, mm. but I'm just so grateful they gave me the opportunity to, to still be on the list. But it was the game against uh, Carlton with Lades coaching against um, Dennis. So that was before I returned. The game against the Crows. Wayne Carey playing against North Melbourne right. for the first time. That was that year? That year. And then you've got me trying to get back and play again. So that is a lot to deal with in your first year as a senior coach. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thankfully I got there. Like it was round 11, I think. Like as we all say, I'm pissed off. I reckon it should have been a lot earlier. But anyway. <laughs> you did your calf, old a, boy.
1: Yeah, I did. It's old man's, I did, it's um, old man's injury. Well, the
2: old, the old man's syndrome in the calf, it's because I had some decent shrapnel wounds as well and there's a hole <laughs> bone yeah. in my calf. So, yeah. But it is an old man's injury. But um, that, that was one that – it's funny you mention that because that was probably maybe three weeks before I returned, ultimately, the AFL, and that nearly derailed the whole thing because I knew I was really close. Uh, you're just that desperate to get back by this stage, and then you just think the whole world is conspiring against you. Like it, it was a, a poor me, why me moment. I'm sitting at home, Narissa's having to put up with my bullshit, but I'm going, Jesus, this, I, I've missed out. I haven't played it been at clubs or won premierships, I lose one, who gets rubbed out in a prelim and misses one? Who goes on holiday and Buddy gets caught up in a terrorist attack? Like, (laughs) now I'm trying to get back, I'm nearly there, this happens, it's not meant to be, they can all jam it, I'm finished, I've had enough. And thankfully she was really supportive and I think she might have spoke to Anthony Stevens and Glenn Archer and even my mate Husey and once I settled and they sort of put it all in perspective is uh I reckon you've been through a bit worse than a calf injury you're gonna, <laughs> let, you're gonna let this derail you and um yeah it was amazing within a week or so I was back playing and that's when I was crystal clear that that whenever it was I'd, I'd play and finish up so yeah I had to earn the right um which is I didn't want to be gifted again yeah. it's work really hard to get back and um ultimately you just want to go out and perform and It's about the team. So I just wanted to win that night. Like, I think playing Richmond that night, Friday night's obviously big in the AFL, big in Melbourne. We were probably two of the higher-ranked Melbourne clubs at the time, so it was a really important game. So, yeah, you wanted to earn the right and then you wanted to, you know, hopefully be able to perform. And, well, the game was pretty remarkable. Like, once again, I talked about those late-90s grand finals and not much rotations. Well, certainly starting on the interchange bench... There was very limited rotations in the early 2000s. So I spent the whole first quarter on the bench. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, I, knew that, be um, I knew that I'd probably get used as a forward. And I had the gloves. So in the warm up, I trialed a new pair of gloves and they are magnificent for marking. But the set shot, they're, they're just a bit too sticky. <laughs> so thankfully, I reverted to the ones I'd been wearing all season. So there's still a bit of grip, but it was a bit easier to kick. Like if you're a back, it wouldn't matter. You just handball it. So you'd be right. Correct. Take twelve intercept marks and Spoiled. away you go. Yeah, strap, spoil. strap it into a fist and just yeah. run around like that. But then I, I came on at quarter time, and uh, I'll never forget it was the uh, so it was the southern end there at um, at Docklands, and it was the Richmond cheer squad end, and they stood as one and applauded. And I was like, I've never had that. <laughs> and it worked well because I think I gave away two free kicks and maybe had one kick or a handball. I got you. Third quarter. What I do third quarter? maybe another free kick or two against a point, nothing much. Three-quarter time. And it was only um, – we'd had our leadership meeting on the Friday morning after team meeting and that's when I told the other leaders that win, lose or draw, I'll be finishing. Right. So they're only the only ones that knew. And I'm going in there and I'm thinking, shit, I haven't gone well here. I'm going to be back on the bench. <laughs> Thankfully – my name was still up there um and early in the last quarter david king kicks one forward and i got in front marked kicked a goal and i was absolutely shitting myself lining up for that one because the glove again although it was the older ones i knew they were a bit grippy um but that went through and then very very late in the game i think we're down by a couple of points and i was able to the glove come in handy again ground ball hold by opponent back and It was like Velcro. (laughs) And I've got (laughs) swung around in a tackle and I've dribbled this wobbly punt that went about six metres. And people say now, oh, it would have went through. It wouldn't have. (laughs) It would have been, you know, they would have scooped it up five metres short. But Lee Harding, um, Lee was super quick as a player, but even quicker running towards goal. And he just swooped on it (laughs) and scored. And ultimately we held on, uh, I forget now, two or three points we we won by. So it was, um, it's just so like to go through everything I and we went through and then I look at our wedding day and how perfect it was and I look at how that return game how it panned out and it's just like I just couldn't have scripted it to be um, that way it was like an absolute fairy tale so and I and it makes me think about Dennis again because Dennis was there at the game start of the night and I think he ended up penning a letter to me which um, was the forward to the book I ended up writing and paganisms would, I was thinking about a lot and he used to talk about he'd talk about luck and he'd say ultimate luck is all that's left over once you've tried and tried your hardest and I think about that period of what I had to go through with my support team just to, to get back and play and it was so much hard work by so many people and we we got the fairy tale ending which um and my teammates were so special like I've seen the vision of my stuff that many times, but if I just go away from that and look at the last two or three minutes of that game when the game's on the line, and these guys did it every week. They are a seriously good footy team. But the guys that knew I was finishing up, it's like their efforts were kamikaze-like every week. Steve-O, Simo, Arch, Shannon Grant. It was like they went to another level again. And ultimately, it was them giving me the opportunity to really, in a way, that was my premiership. Yeah. And and they, they provided that. So they were, they were amazing. are amazing. bloody good.
0: Was there, after a little while, was there any itch to, to want to keep playing? You know, like you'd <laughs> sort of committed pre-game <laughs> to... You know, do you
2: know what? That's a great question. Because you know what happened that game? Lee Colbert, my teammate, got a ruptured spleen. And he was playing back. And I've played there my whole career virtually. So it did cross my mind. He was out for... 12 weeks i was like it have i gone too early yeah. the john father comeback it was only a fleeting moment but <laughs> it, it is it is interesting because um i reckon later that year like once i stopped the combative nature of the training and the games my healing process like just i felt so fresh within myself especially when you're not breaking open grafted skin and, and doing things like that. So I was still active with my training, but I just felt so much better. And I reckon about seven or eight weeks later, and I'm still doing a bit of work at the club, they still have me helping out with some coaching and things during the week, and you sort of crosses your mind, oh, I reckon I could still do this. <laughs> and I played, uh, was it that year or the next year? Whether it was later that year or the following year, uh, my wife's from uh, Millicent in south-east South Australia and I played a couple of games with Panola um, and I realised pretty quickly that, no, nah, I can't stop <laughs> 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 I you are going to say kick it uh, <laughs> no, I was, you know, when, when you end up in your first game and Panola had won the premiership the year before and a mate was coaching and I forget who the side we'd come up against and they had a guy that played a heap of sample footy and kicked a heap of goals. And he was torching us. So I've ended up going back and playing on it full-back. And obviously I was having another fine, but it's like, hey, I didn't come to play a couple of games to go and play full-back yeah. <laughs> in the country. <laughs> I don't need this. And I probably think I didn't – I, I played in Bali at the end of that year, which was really special for the, the Geckos. Uh, many of people have played some games for the Bali Geckos, but it was um, around the weekend of the one-year first-year memorial service. Um, so that was great to play in their a Sides carnival and um, yeah, 34, 5 degree heat, high humidity and long sleeves and garments and that, not ideal, I, I nearly passed out a few <laughs> times. But the same thing, I'm there to have a bit of enjoyment and there was other Asian teams there but then there was a couple of Aussie teams on footy trips, they had sides and we're playing Batemans Bay and next minute I've got the arm across like treading on my toes <laughs> and then I've gone in the ruck and they wore Port, Power, uh, Port Adelaide uh, jumpers and I went in the ruck and I couldn't jump and the ruckman was built like Matty Primus <laughs> and he's dug the knees straight into my ribs and then I've resorted to um, bugger this I'm going to start a blue <laughs> so I thought and we end up making the final that day and we played that side again but I couldn't play up because the Prime Minister was there, so I had to be on my best behaviour. And <laughs> Other than that, a couple of EJ Witten Legends games, but I'm just, as much as so I love it, I'm so reluctant to play now just because take the barley out, which I had no surgery through my AFL career, hmm. and then all that happens, and you move on with what you do with work. If you get injured in an AFL player, it's part and parcel. You've got the best medical uh, team around you and the best rehab facility, so you just get on with it. But now, if you go and do it, how do you fit that in around your work? Your work's now your priority. So, yeah. So I've done it a couple of times and got out of it okay. So not willing to to risk an ACL or a busted yeah. shoulder. Now, now you did you end up coming back the other week for yeah, the for the
1: twos? I did. How'd you go? It was funny. It's not like your story, but um, there was an element of fulfilment for me. Yeah. Because I I retired, but. You know, yeah, you, I, left would, tank, you? Been, you left a bit in the tank, didn't you? You left a bit in the tank when you retired. Would I've been? dealing... I don't know where I would have sat. And so, played waffle year out, broke my yeah. back. So the story you're telling about work, yeah. I was playing a waffle, mate, and was yeah. pretty much lucky to have physio treatment there. So yeah. I broke my back, three vertebrae, didn't didn't couldn't walk for three months. Basically, like, sorry, I could walk around, couldn't yeah. couldn't jog, couldn't run, nothing. It was stiff as a board for yeah. So I stopped playing, stopped exercising, and then um, didn't play waffle the following year. And then this year, you know, huge trouble with the injuries. Basically, yeah, There's yeah, no one available. No and I was in with Simo doing a media thing with him, and he jokingly said, "You know, uh, you play play full forward for us." And I said, "Yeah, I'll do it. No yeah. worries." Thinking the same as you, I've still I can still do it. <laughs> now look, I won't go through it all, but I kicked a goal, got the best in my first game, so I mean, got. Oh,
2: for a backman, it's pretty good, mate. It's a great story. Now, you see what I've done here. I've had enough of speaking about yeah. myself, <laughs> yeah. so I've just turned this. No. It's, now, it's now the Will Schofield no, uh, pod... we're, we're on One
0: last question before we do that. No, no, I'm not, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you just mentioned the Prime Minister before. What did he say to you on the on the phone before the comeback uh, game? Yeah. Not your normal prep for a game, is it, when the Prime Minister calls? <laughs> is
2: this John Howard? Yeah. yeah. I was lying on the couch, had a little apartment in Elbert Park at the time and – hello it's this is the Prime Minister <laughs> and it was just about John here. Uh, congratulations you've been really inspiring for so many and once again it's a level of uncomfort for me because hey I, I know so many others went through similarly if not worse than me and the only reason that I had a lot of focus was just my work it was footy and it's obviously such a popular sport and obviously the media play a role and. Um, Through my work, it was something I suppose people could identify with this, you know, us getting on and recovering. So, yeah, I didn't choose for that. So he he, he just spoke about that. I was congratulations and you've been very inspiring and good luck. And, yeah, I don't think Mick got a call. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was
1: so good! Just backmen hanging shit on each other. Now, it's both, now back to you. Right, you turned it to me, but I do have a story involving both you and I. Yeah. So you, you, uh, college Cannons, You spent some time coaching the TAC Cup there.
2: Yeah, I went, I went down there and helped out a little bit when I was at the AFL doing the National Academy, which F- I really enjoyed. Fremantle development coach. Yes. And you were a runner. Oh yeah, yeah, Did, weren't you? Yep.
1: You used to run there. Yep. I know you were. Yeah. No. No. I remember this. So, so the echo,
2: first would have been probably the first. Um, Derby we had. How do you remember this? So, i got a good memory.
1: Well, so I'm out there minding my own business as an AFL player, Dan, right? Just just trying to get a kick. Probably not even get a kick. Trying to stop someone else from getting a kick. <laughs> out of nowhere, probably in yellow. That's probably not in the pink at that stage. No, right? I wouldn't the have been bright, pink, I wouldn't have done it. Bright, <laughs> bright fluoro yellow. <laughs> oh, I see this literal flash across the front of my face. Like within 30 centimetres. Like, it was it was like a player. It couldn't have been a flash. It wouldn't have been that quick. It was flash, mate. <laughs> Some blurs come <laughs> running through with, with some expletives along the way. So I don't know what what was said, but it was directed directly at me. And I'd done something, probably done something off the ball. And Mr. McCartney here, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. McCartney here, running uh, water, no, running messages for the Freo Dockers, is out there as the enforcer. And he was he was getting into me. And I never forget it because I huge footy fan growing up. Yeah. I used to watch you play or watch these moments were spoken about. So no, I know I, I, you and amongst others was someone I looked up to and this bloke out there <laughs> going, something along the lines of, what are you fucking doing out here, your I wouldn't
2: have said that. <laughs> so hang on, I've got to get this right. What are we? I was petrified. WA, Derby or Derby? Uh, derby. Derby, yeah. So I was only at Frio that one year. and i yeah, had to the, have been a This management role come up at the dog, so we come back. But we were loving our time in Perth. But obviously, as a development coach, there was three or four of us then. There was no soft cap we had to worry about and, yeah, clubs that were financial like West Coast and Freo you'd just load up on your staff to put the best program in your players and we would rotate the runners role between the the three of us so it was my turn I assume it was the first one so being a competitor yeah I got caught up in it all a bit and you used to have two runners then one was to just a runner and do some messages but the other one was your development coach so it could be really structural get blokes in the right position and Occasionally abuse the opposition. Um, <laughs> but I reckon... I, the only reason I remember... I don't remember having a go at you... But I remember having words with... Uh, I reckon it might have been Adam Selwood. Probably. Yeah. At <laughs> quarter of time. There's a good verbal bar. And... Who else would have been playing then? Was... Um,
1: Bo Waters. Yeah, but who uh, was Brett the Jones. Full, full forward. Like Ash Hanson might have been playing. Nah, I don't know, really He would have been done.
2: But I also remember... As a North player, Ben McKinley, we had some fierce rivalry with the West Coast boys at the time too. So I remember as a player at the back end, was it Big Troy Wilson? Yeah, yeah, Bob Wilson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's some, yeah. So it was always good fun. though. Like a North player too. North had really good support in the West, and I reckon it would have been the seventies and eighties. Some of the recruiting. Um, yeah, so it was always – there's a bit of rivalry there. But, yeah, I just obviously got caught up in the uh, Frio West Coast I rivalry just see, there.
1: I, just see the eyes. And yeah. it was scary. I was intimidated. <laughs> it couldn't have been
2: a flash, though.
1: <laughs> it was a flash, mate. I'll tell you what. You were probably lining me up. A flash oh. and then <laughs> the calf goes. <laughs> uh, the, the last part I want to speak about, um, given all of this, right, and and, and yeah, I want to speak out less about your current role at GWS General Manager, but, yep. but that time at the Bulldogs, given uh, no premiership success, plenty of –
2: 62 years it had been between yeah. the first one, yeah.
1: So helping, helping do that. You started the footy club at 2011. Yep. So that list build, yeah, yeah, was you know you'd have to have your fingers in it. Yeah, it was
2: it was great. Like, so the club had been pretty successful in terms of that had a period of probably three prelims in a row and fell short, and then it would have been nine and ten just started to fall away with a bit more of an aging group so when I come in there was they hadn't had a list manager had fallen on the GM of footy so I was really lucky like Simon Del Rimple just started out and recruiting there probably a year earlier and he had an offside away McCraw so to come in and join that team and we had a pretty clear plan unfortunately we just lost Callum Ward he decided that he was going to take up the opportunity here at the Giants so that meant the rules then we had a compensation pick uh, but you could use it over a two-year period and you got to choose, but you had to choose. You couldn't wait until the end of the year to see where you finished because it was a pick after where you finished. You had to make the call in March. <laughs> so we were pretty bold. We made the call in March of that next year. Um, and as it turned out, we had pick five and then we had pick six. So it was really important. We were, we'd identified that core group of senior players there were great people, great role models, great Bulldogs that we wanted to keep. And then we identified some other guys that had been, been great players and are good people, but they probably had some currency because we needed to get back into the draft. So that year, Jake Stringer and Jack McRae. So that was that was great. And, and Lockie father-sons, had been good to the Bulldogs and been very good to Geelong as well. So that was a nice hit straight up. And then the next year... Uh, we were starting to progress a bit, but we were still low, and picked four, and and that ended up being Marcus Bond and Pelly. So Decent. you had <laughs> those four who had um, played significant roles, obviously, in the, in the premiership at a very young age. And then Brendan McCartney was coach, uh, built a really strong foundation, especially around his craft and contest method and different things. But uh, there was a falling out there at the end of 2004. We, we haven't got a coach um our captain, Ryan Griffin, wants to leave. We'd been looking throughout the year at the key forwards and we identified, funnily enough, what I do now, but where I work now, but it was, um, there was three at the Giants, Cameron, Patton and Boyd, and the other one's Tom Lynch at the Gold Coast. Could we get any of them? And we've got a big bag full of money to spend. <laughs> and um, it became clear early in the piece, but Tommy was probably the one that was gettable, that he's only in uh, the system a year. So it was still a big, big risk because uh, he obviously had a very dominant junior career, but he's only one year into the AFL, and as we know, it's a different kettle of fish. So. But we didn't know how we'd get a trade done, so we didn't talk to anyone. We sat on it. And then when Ryan decided he wanted to go, I knew it would be giant, so that that was the golden ticket to maybe be able to do this board deal. So, But I think it's, 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 that was so important, and Tommy played an enormous part in that premiership. And mm-hmm. obviously what no-one really knew then, he was he was – battling a little bit himself too. And he's doing an amazing job now, which is great. But there's a couple other things like some – you talk about the role players you can get in and we're able to get Joel Hamling from Geelong who hadn't played a game, obviously at Freo now. But Joel – the only reason he hadn't played a game is a key back at Geelong. And you're getting past Scarlett and Taylor. Enright and back here, and Like there's so many there. Taylor. Um, so he come in and like a guy who was at the Swans um, – Shane Biggs like they come in and they end up for a year or two they just played really important roles so it was a combination of like that that team we had I was working with in terms of Simon and Wayne and then others come to it and we had a clear path and we had this five-year vision and you can get lucky at like we didn't know when Macca went out what was going to happen and and Luke Beveridge come in and the players we brought in and then we had these older players that were just reinvigorated under Luke's style of play and we had the foundation around contest. and Luke's first year was 2015 and we played some really good footy and got pipped in a prelim uh, – sorry, in an elimination final against Adelaide. And the next year uh, – everyone talks about, oh, you come from seventh and there was a bye the first week and, yeah, yeah, we did come from seventh but that was a year where the comp was really hot. I think we were seventh with 15 wins. 15 wins normally, you have you around top four so – um, it was just an amazing final series because we went to – we played three out the last game we lost. Yes. So then it was a week off. We'd had injuries. The week off, we were able to bring four or five players back in. So in name, the paper looked really good. But we were worried about how much work they got in and probably a bit underdone. West Coast at Subie, you would you would have been playing?
1: Yeah, I remember that. So we had a
2: hot start. You are hot or yeah. just hot? Yeah. Just the team it was just – It just
1: clicked. Yeah. Um, it was – sometimes you play teams and – they feel unstoppable. Yeah. Anything you do, uh, Rich
2: Richmond when that when they're yeah. off,
1: you know, just one little touch yeah. and it's uh, that, yep. that's what that was. And we,
2: we were having a bit of trouble scoring and uh, yeah, we were just, we were red hot and so the next week, well, you're playing the three-time running premiers in Hawthorne, the MCG and a really tight first half and we just, we got going big time just before half time. We beat them. So at that stage, it's like, the theory with the boys was a bit of a feel like, why not us? And then the biggest obstacle was the Giants at Giants Stadium in a prelim. No one gave us a chance. And and I talked earlier about you're in, actively involved but then you wish you could now, you've done that, you can see the other side of the fans. Walking into Giants Stadium that day and walking the two or 300 metres down the path area to go in, it was phenomenal, the party atmosphere... And so many Bulldog supporters, it was, it ended up, it felt like we are playing at Witten Oval. It was <laughs> remarkable. And that game, that was pulsating. That that was as good a prelim as you could ever imagine. And once we did that, and this, and the, the celebration after each win, some would say, geez, they've gone a bit over the top here. But Bevo just let the boys go. And it just, it built, it was like this, you know, train with so much momentum and... And I, I hadn't been that confident going into each of the first three finals. So I was happy to be really pleasantly surprised. But then grand final day, I just knew we were going to win. And the Swans were a good side, but we just knew we'd we'd be able to win. So, yeah, it's I look back on that and it was just a great period to be at the club. Such fond memories. But for the supporters, please, one premiership ever and then it was a 62-year wait. Um, just, just great to be able to play it players you know a role in the background with a good team of people because everyone has five year plans and often three years in you start another five years <laughs> so you can just keep extending your job it's all someone else's fault but yeah we there's a couple of uh, speed humps along the way but yeah we got there with a group that um yeah, bevo had them humming and there's you look at it there's there's some stars there's some older players at the end of their career in all australian form and it's probably fair to say there were some misfits that fired, like,
0: you know, at all Australian level for four weeks, for whatever reason. Where does the list manager watch the grand final from? you in a box? I was in, the, I, was coaches? In the, I was in the coaches box. Yeah, I used to
2: sit in the coaches box. So um, I'm usually pretty good. Uh, obviously, you just – you're watching and looking and looking at your players. I must admit, when I was still in the list manager role for the Giants and still based in Melbourne the first couple of years, I did um, – I did have to leave the box in that 2019 prelim against Collingwood because uh, it was in the wet, we're all over them and they're, they're, coming. they're coming big time. And we couldn't score and we, we, we couldn't get out of their attacking sort of 30. And I reckon it was halfway through the last and I was in the, the MCG, the box is, is side by side. There's, so there's two areas and I was at the back of not where the main coaches were and I couldn't watch it anymore. So I just got up and walked out. <laughs> In the car park, I'm just wandering around the car park. I went up the race and up the race, Dave Matthews, the CEO was there like Toby was suspended. He was there at the lead there's four or five players and it's down the opposite, it's down the punt road and it's camped there and it's it's within a kick. Like, oh, God, I'm going down the rooms now and I'm sitting down the rooms and I'm wondering and I thought, I'll have a look on my phone and it's still there. It's a 30-second delay. And next minute I hear one of our media team just run down screaming. So I ran up the race saying, oh, this is good with one. (laughs) And I'm never usually like that. And I just think, although I'd only been at the Giants, it was my second year, I was very familiar with the club from start-up because I coached the National Academy team at the AFL and a lot of the boys through that program had been foundation players at the Giants. I knew the struggles of, you know, how they started and how they built and for others they would talk about our club as you've got all this talent and all these concessions but within that it, w- it was bloody tough and obviously you've got to let go of a lot of good players every year back then managing cap and things. So we'd been really good but we'd not made a grand final. So I was just, once again, only been at the club two years but so invested and just so wrapped for the for the boys. And I still think about that a lot now with what we're trying to do and what we're building now with a bit of a reset. Um I love doing what I'm doing but I'm also very fulfilled in what I've done in life I'm only there now to really help play a part for these guys I want them to experience what I've been lucky enough to see firsthand and my mates at North or whether it was Adelaide I'm desperate for them to have that opportunity and I know you've chatted with Toby before and He's at the peak of his powers, Toby Green, and that's what we want. We want that group now that's been at the Giants for a long period of time that are now 28, 29, and they lived through the period where we were very close and couldn't get there. Our role is now that we've had this reset, and it's what we can do the back half of this year, but more importantly next year and the year after with some really good young talent coming through. But like at the Bulldogs, the role that um, Bob Murphy and Matty Boyd and these guys played... Now, Toby and Stephen Keneally and Josh Kelly are younger than those guys. But how they can help develop these young guys gives them their best chance of ultimate success now. And that's what I see my role, is just making sure we've, we've got the best people, they're doing the best job, we've got the best program, um, so these guys can, can get a taste of what that... You're, you've lived it, mate, and it's, it's pretty intoxicating. There's more lows in an AFL career than there are highs the highs are just so darn good that you you keep chasing it so that's what we're all about as a footy club um but the only thing with that we know there's 17 others (laughs) with exactly the same aspirations and working just as hard and have just as many good people in management and coaching positions so um yeah like I said I started at 16 I'm now 49 I've never left and have no intention of leaving for a while so it's 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 been so wonderful footy for me there's no doubt about it. A
1: remar- like, genuine, remarkable uh, footy story, mate, and that mm. includes uh, uh, what happened in 2002, but just a, a journey. It's been yeah. – we appreciate your time in here, mate. We, we're not quite done. got a couple of questions no, from the No, that's all right. That's all right. But we no, do appreciate you coming in. No, no, thank, thank you very
2: lot. much. Good. Because, yeah, obviously the, you talk about the Bali experience and returning and things so much, but it's – yeah, it's been great to take some twists and turns and hear a little about a little bit about your comeback and everything as well,
1: mate. So <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you more afterwards. We'll turn the cameras off. I'll let you know. Every kick I had, I only had four of them. Um, now, social media, not social, social. We've got some questions from our audience, our fans for Excellent. you, mate. Excellent. Okay. So I want number one to be underscore Huntsman, underscore o six 6 underscore. Yeah, some underscores in there. Uh,
0: who was the better coach? Uh, Lethal Lee, Malcolm Blight or Dennis Pagan? Oh, my goodness. I've forgotten you were coached by Lethal Lee at Collingwood. Of course.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll say Dennis. No disrespect the other two, but Dennis got the best out of me, and I was also a bit more mature and a bit older. But yeah, the others were yeah, obviously Hall of Famers, exceptional.
1: We um we save one question for our patrons, our VRP. So I'm going to save the answer to this question. Yep. Till then, uh, yep. this is from Connor Chocaroli. I actually can't say that.
0: Uh, Best story with the North boys back in the 90s. So we're
1: going to get that for our patrons. Uh, One of the cameras are off, so you want to hear that, you can sign up to Patreon. Uh, We've got three
0: hours. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to separate.
1: Uh, Right at the top, John underscore Dawson. Uh,
0: Jason, if you weren't still on football, what would have you done instead?
2: Yeah, I think I would have still... It probably takes me back to the end of the Crows era before North. I would have stayed in footy. I would have played Sample and... I would have gone down that development pathway. I think uh, probably would have gone into coaching. So so thankful I didn't. <laughs> this is much better. <laughs> Good. And the final one,
1: it from the Eggman.
0: Uh, how do you like your eggs cooked? Eggs poached, mm. poached,
1: clean cut. We like it. Uh, Jace, thank you, mate. Um, thank you. While we're thanking you, we've got to thank our supporters, our sponsors, Fleet Network. Thank you for supporting the podcast. To Swimpley, to Snapper Whiskey, Margaret River Roasting Co., Bluebet, Shelter Brewing Co., Leadable Cameras. Yeah, we looked after you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, find it all. Backchatpodcast.com.au, backchatstudios.com.au. Find all the stuff there and hang around patrons for one more story from Jason McCartney. Mate,
0: thank you very much. Thank you. It's
2: to spend some time.